Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and I am the founder and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. I want to thank you so much for joining us here today. Last First Date Radio is an acclaimed show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life, and we have an excellent show coming up for you today on a very popular topic. I'm going to be speaking with author Diane Emerson about how to spot a psychopath before you become a victim. She did tons of research um, actually interviewing psychopaths and I've had a lot of very positive feedback for this this particular episode of Last First Date Radio because one of the things that I am passionate about as a dating coach is helping people stay safe. Um, if you're dating again after the age of 40 and maybe you were you were in a long-term marriage or a long-term relationship, and now you're out in the world of online dating and dating in a very different way, it's important to learn the new dating rules for the 21st century. And if you're not careful, you can get sucked in by charming people who are really unhealthy for you. Some of you may have been married to those people. Some of you have may have been friends with people who turned out to be psychopaths. Um, I just read today somebody's Facebook um, feed. She wrote that she's been involved with a man for a number of years. She was actually on this radio show talking about her boyfriend, and she just found out that for the last, I think they've been together for 20 years, and she found out that for the last 10, he's had another woman on the side. So people are not always what they seem to be. That really was shocking to me, but I have a feeling that Diane is going to say, maybe not so shocking. <laughs> so um, so just a quick note about what I do is I help women over 40 find love, and um, I help take them through online dating and offline dating and do it in the most dignified way where they honor and value themselves first because I believe that a woman of value is going to attract her highest quality men. So really value yourself. Don't give up your time for somebody who's not worth it. Um, you know, Don't jump through hoops to make somebody happy if it's at the risk of your own unhappiness. Um, that may sound crazy to people who don't do this, but believe me, this is very, very, very common. Um, so we often do things that sabotage our dating success, and because of that, I have identified the top three mistakes that midlife daters make, and I give actionable tips to turn them around so you can find love. And I've created a free guide, and if you don't yet have a copy, go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up right on my homepage. Also, if you are a woman over 40 and you're not yet a member of my Facebook group, Your Last First Date, it's called Your Last First Date on Facebook, please join us. I have over 500 women in the group, and they come to get solid advice to stay safe, um, to date with dignity, to date with self-respect, and to be a woman of value throughout their dating experience and really throughout their lives. 
And now I want to introduce our special guest today, Diane Emerson. She created the first online support forum for victims of psychopaths over 18 years ago. She had discovered many things from the victim's perspective over the years, and she wanted to learn more about how psychopaths operate. Psychopaths seek out a specific type, and many times victims can be victimized several times over their lifetime. Her goal is to inform the public about how they get trapped in these relationships, how to spot them before it goes too far, and to identify things that happened in past relationships. So join us now to learn how to spot a psychopath before you become a victim. Welcome to the show, Diane. Well, thank you very much, Sandy. Thanks for the kind introduction. My pleasure. Thank you. So let's get down to it. Um, So you say that many times people are victimized over and over again. So what kind of person is targeted by a psychopath? Well, usually it's a they they do seek out a profile. In my book, I interviewed three male psychopaths because I wanted to. We know what they are, okay? We know that they're liars and cheaters and all that, and you can look up lists online. But what I was not really getting from the victim side that I thought would be important for people to know is how they do it. In other words, what tools do they use, and specifically, what kind of person do they look for? And so in answer to that first, they look for kind and caring people, and which is a really good thing to be, okay? But the number one thing that victims have said over the years is that they ignored the first red flags. Um, and so they, they look for a type, and the type is somebody that they would be able to control. Control is the end of the whole cycle of what they're going to put you through. And when they described in my book the methods they used, I must say, I mean, I started out to write about it and thought, well, if I don't find out much, then that's okay. But if I do, I'll I'll publish it. And I was actually just flabbergasted. And what I did was I only interviewed them in writing because they mimic behaviors and they feed off your, um, your, your emotions and your responses to things. So I wanted to get I felt I felt like I really got closer to the truth than probably ever before because if you read a victim book you don't really you get what happened to the victim the pain the heartache and the betrayal and all that but what you don't get is the methods the specific methods and mm-hmm. so I was actually at times I must say I was stunned um about the actual how self-perceptive they are um, how they plot to find victims, what they do with you, how to con- convince you that they use gaslighting, which is a, a form of altering the reality so it appears to be a fact. And that was mm-hmm. their number one tool. So, And then also my concern has been that with all this online dating, I mean, really, you know, it's kind of the psychopath highway, if you want to know, because there's a lot of ways. And if I was going to looking for love, I think I'd be right on your doorstep because um, – <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a, you know, you know, if you watch those Dateline shows, I mean, where did all these people meet? Well, Match.com, Christian Mingle, um, and what was the end result? Well, usually there's a murder, but the ones that I have found the most interesting are the ones who will probably never end up in prison. They're the ones that, to me, are the much more dangerous ones because they're much more skilled at, at their behavior. 
Um, so, you know, if you want to avoid the Dateline trucks and Keith Morrison hopping out with his notepad, you probably would be well advised <laughs> to work with a consultant. Because um, I know even after all I know about them, I, I would not just I, I would just not join a dating service. It wouldn't be for me unless I had somebody to help guide me. Well, so yeah, I and and you know when I started online dating, I I was pretty clueless myself because I wasn't yet a dating coach and I hadn't done all the research that I've done or worked with as many people as I have. Um, but what I find is number one, be informed. This, which is why I do this radio show and it's why I interview people like you, because this is such valuable information and it is the nice people. I mean, I, I get all these really kind people pleasers in my practice, um, people who always bent over backwards to please others. And so they don't they don't imagine that anybody would be as evil as these people are. I mean it's not even in their in their stratosphere. Um no. and right? So you know that there's a naivete um to begin with. And the other thing is the, the ignoring of the red flags. So I want to talk about that because that's what some of the work I do with my clients is to have them go way back. And because they often say the red flags were not even there. It's, you know, that there was nothing. And I say, well, go back again. What, what yeah. small yeah. flags? What were the little signs that made you feel sick to your stomach, but you pushed it away because your gut knows, your gut really knows, but you then you go, ah, that's nothing, because, you know, he's so good looking, and he's smart, he has a good job, um, they make lots of excuses, so he listens so to me, that... he listens to me, like nobody else did. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, because he's mirroring, uh, well, call, right, he's mirroring yeah, them, call, their behavior. He's mirroring you, and like they said in my book, when I, I walked them through the whole process to get their answers, and it was interesting, because they would start off the answer with what they probably would use as their approach to you in person, but then it would wind down to what the reality was. And they said, which was interesting, is that if I don't listen to you, how do I find the keys to your safe? <laughs> so, um, mm-hmm. listening, listening is what they're very good at because they're mining you for information. So people think, wow, this was really, and it could be a female too. It does not restrict it just to men. Um, people right. want to be heard. And so there's always a tendency, and it's kind of a global problem because people could watch, I mean, look at the most popular shows on TV, Dateline. We all watch these shows and, you know, about the guy next door who had been having an affair with his wife for the last 20 years, and all of a sudden, you know, she starts to leave him and, you know, things become unsafe. She ends up dead, and the Dateline trucks are there. So so we seem to be drawn like like moths to a, a flame for these stories, but there's a huge disconnect is stopping and thinking, this could be me. Um, So we're attracted to these stories. We're attracted to the concept of watching evil play out on the screen, but yet we seem to miss the step in between that in order for evil to get into your life, the really good ones can mask that behavior for a very long time. I mean, because really, if somebody walks up and starts behaving crazily, you're going to move away. So there's a there's a whole grooming process that takes place. I mean, they're in it for the long run, and the long run is to control. So, you know, we, we just have a pretty big disconnect. So being a nice person is a really good thing, 
but having being a nice person with good boundaries is an even better thing. Mhm. So there's signs. There's yeah, signs. That's primarily what I teach is how to have clear boundaries because if you don't know what your boundaries are, then people will step all over you. And, you know, I teach it to my kids. I teach it to my clients. I have a book about boundaries and dating. Um, It is so critical to have clear boundaries. So, okay, so we have these nice women, and they're they're bait for these these psychopaths. Um, And so what's a boundary that you can name? that could stop a psychopath in its tracks, in his or her tracks? Well, for me, I would pay attention to the first interactions. Um, Are they asking a lot of questions? Or am I, you know, has the evening ended up like almost one would be in a therapy session? Like have I talked the whole night about, you know, my alcoholic father and all these things that normally I wouldn't share with somebody right away. Am I oversharing? And the reason you'd be oversharing is because this person is intently listening and asking you the right questions. So I I would start to look for somebody who is asking you to overshare, moving in too quickly. You know, a lot of old sayings seems too good to be true. And really, these guys don't even have to be attractive because their persona can overtake even bad looks. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, bad personal um, hygiene and stuff. Attractive women can get caught up in a guy who's kind of gnarly looking but because of that charm, that, that charisma, that, you know, did you remember that um, Rockefeller guy that played like he was a Rockefeller? It was, I don't want to get into the whole story, but he ended up marrying a woman while he was playing like he was a Rockefeller, and they eventually got him on some murder from years before that. But anyway, he played like he was a Rockefeller. And he played it perfectly because what he did was he even rescued abandoned um, injured animals because that gave – and people think, oh, well, over the years people say, well, I don't think he's a psychopath because he loves his dog. Well, he you may be perceiving that he loves his dog, okay? So he would mm-hmm. use that as a trap. And he actually – the woman he married – and there was a custody deal. It got really got ugly, and she she was knocking in. I mean, this was 20 years ago, a half million to a million dollars a year in the stock trade. And when she was on the stand, what really got me um, was she was, you know, clearly kind of embarrassed that she'd been with this guy for a while and had a kid with him. But um, if you really want to clutter up your life, I mean, rush into having a kid. But anyhow, so <laughs> what she said was he really listened to me, okay, all the guys mm-hmm. in her field – so here comes this guy without really any real means of support but this big lie about being a Rockefeller, but her takeaway was he listened to me. They listen yep. to you because they have to have information to then damage you with later. Like, for example, if I were to say my father was an alcoholic, okay, later in the heat of an argument they say, you know, you come from a lousy family, your father was an alcoholic, I don't know why I wasted my time with you. Um, so mm-hmm. all this information that they're mining is what they can use to poke, poke, poke with swords in your back when things start going rough. Um, so it's actually quite a quite a fascinating process that they use, and it, it can become actually dangerous. I mean, not all of them are going to kill you, but really, if you're going to go through a breakup, I wouldn't be under the same roof with them. I would consult somebody and get out safely. So. It all doesn't lead down to the path of death, but it can lead to the path of a murder of your soul. 
So my feeling yeah. is that a good psychopath will actually damage more lives in his or her lifetime than the most prolific serial killer around because mm. it goes on and on and on. I mean, while they're in a relationship with you, they'll be having multiple relationships. And, you know, if you try to bring up these questions, they have a way of diminishing you. They have It's all down. They have a whole process they use. So what the whole goal is to... Pretty soon you'll be thinking you're the crazy one in the room because you question this person, but and then mm-hmm. the gaslighting starts. So they have they have a whole system, which that's what I found so interesting when I was interviewing them was how they have this whole process down. I mean, some of them I had actually kind of brushed off because over the years, a couple of people had said, "Well, he told me he has a dark side." Well, they said the same thing, and you know what the response was? <laughs> Well, you know, if somebody tells you something, it's probably not funny. Um, and I'd heard victims say that over the years, even down to mm-hmm. a few of them use the, um, well, I can't tell you about my past because I was with the CIA. And, you know, we can laugh about this stuff now, but we're not several months into a relationship. So this person is believing this stuff. And actually, they gave me lists of things that they use. And so when you challenge them, I mean, really, one of them was um, an abused childhood. Okay, so let's say you get an argument with this guy because he didn't show up like he was supposed to. And, you know, for a fact, he was having an affair or something was up, you know. okay? so you go to have a talk with him or an argument breaks out or whatever. Well, you know, when they pull out the abused child card, I mean, what's a kind and decent person going to do? Really, you don't understand me. My, I mean, they, they are always the victim in any story while they're victimizing you. So Mm -hmm. they have a good way of turning on their heels and getting you to buy into this altered reality. So, you know, clearly I am selling books because I want people to know, because I want people to know if you see one coming, get away. And if you're in one, how do you get out? And Mm -hmm. if you read their own words, you will start to identify the patterns, whether it's in a relationship or at work. You will then know that you're dealing with a very unhealthy person because they all, that's why I interviewed three at the same time, because I was looking for patterns. I didn't want to just go with one and say, oh, yeah, okay, got it. I wanted, and they were all in different parts of the world. So I wanted to know how close to reality each one of them was reporting. Uh, because it would seem irresponsible just to talk to one of them and go, oh, yeah, I got it, understand how they work. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, like, for example, when I brought up the gaslighting to them, they were like, they rushed off and Googled it, and they came back and they go, oh, yeah, that's like the favorite thing for me to do. <laughs> like, oh, okay. They, they're proud of that. Oh, very proud, very proud. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, one guy was so evil that if the breakup happened in a way that he wasn't happy, he would circle back, re-engage the person, and then crush them, crush them, crush them to smithereens before he took off. So yeah, they're they're happy. They they find that very very um, very pleasing to them to crush people, and so you know. People tend to want to stay in a relationship, and everybody wants to relive their early good times, okay? And the early good times were just that, the early good times. So people have to learn to look beyond that. You can't keep looking at, well, the first few months were fabulous. You know, he was all these things. So what if he got a little bit off the rails and got a little bit nasty? He was really nice to start with. And that's where you start to really mm-hmm. wander down the wrong road. You've taken that fork in the road, and you have 
then started running uphill with it. Changing. So a lot of the things that you're, a lot of the things, yes, that's true. You don't change people. Um, And that's something that I also teach to mm-hmm. my clients because people go in saying, well, you know, he's he's a good guy except for this, this, and this, and but, you know, I'm going to change him. And if there's one thing I learned post-divorce, it's that you need to accept somebody for who they are right now. And people can work on behaviors, but they don't change character. And No, and they'll tell you they're going to change. I mean, they will give you they, – they methodically, if you read my book, they, they, must, they, have, they have an answer for everything, okay? They will, mm-hmm. they will convince you about all the ways that they're going to change. They will be very convincing in that aspect. So, yeah, it's, right. it's, you're not going to change somebody. Right, and, and a person with boundaries um, is a person who says, show me. <laughs> Show me that you're going to change. Where's Where's your therapist appointment? Let's talk in six months when you have, you know, been in therapy and you show me with your behaviors that you're consistently different than you were. Well, you, know, you know, frankly, Sandy, you even have to be kind of cautious of that because let's say you have money and he doesn't, but he gives the image of money, but he's really after your wallet, okay? He might go through, if he's clever enough, he might go through all those steps. I mean, there's been Mm -hmm. cases where they will convince the therapist that you're the nut in the room. So they could possibly still turn that one on its ears. Mm -hmm. Right, Um, right. I mean, we're talking about (laughs) psychopaths here. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it is, you're playing with different, different rules. And what happens, though, is it sounds like a lot of these qualities are also present in narcissists and um, other people with personality disorders. Um, So how do you really differentiate a psychopath from other evil beings like narcissism? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dr. Gakono is like the leading expert for evaluations in the in- industry, and he wrote the foreword to my book and really laid out the sociopath, psychopath, all that thing. But I'll give you just the mm-hmm. Reader's Digest clip. And um, all narcissistic people aren't psychopaths, but all psychopaths are narcissistic personalities. Narcissistic okay. personalities is an acquired personality trait. Think selfies, okay? Um, psychopaths are born. They have the gene. And the other rough part to think about is if you think having a kid with one of these guys is going to heal the relationship, what you're doing is you're bolting yourself to this evil person for the next 30, 40 years. And you also run the risk because all three of the people I interviewed got the gene from their father. So they don't know enough about how if does it skip a generation or doesn't but really let's say you have two or three kids and i'm not trying to scare people to death but let's be realistic here um you're going to chain yourself to an evil person by even having one kid the more kids you have you're probably multiplying your chances that one of those kids is going to be a budding psychopath and then Mm -hmm. the defining line is they don't have a conscience we have a conscience they don't so they will never ever develop a conscience they will the smarter ones will develop the appearance of a conscience they will know how to behave in certain ways like they say they they learn what buttons to push to to get what goal so they will learn behaviors like if you watch like a dateline show the first part of the show the detectives are like well you know the guy really didn't show much emotion okay but in the end when he gets sentenced to life in prison he's crying like crazy (laughs) well because he's a victim 
he's playing the victim. He's for, mm-hmm. sorry for himself. He's not sorry for what he did. So because they emulate emotions, they're, they're really good readers. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's a basic difference is the conscience. That's, that's where the real dividing line is. The, the, they don't have a conscience, which forms between the ages of three to five. They will never get a conscience. Um, the par- people that I interviewed were raised by people who really spent time with them. One of them in particular, probably the most dangerous one, um, most charming and all of that, I think that their parents spent a great deal of time socializing them. So there you get into the non-socialized ones probably come from lower economical backgrounds, okay? They're the ones who are going to be the 25% of the prison population. The socialized ones learn behaviors and how to fit better into society. So they're probably going to be running a big organization or or appear very successful on the surface, you know, have money, maybe inherited or whatever. So and they're the ones that I've always found the most fascinating because they're the ones that are running loose. I mean, the chances are they're probably not going to end up in prison. So they have um, they, they they fit into society, and they say one to three percent in the general population. Well, that number was taken from a study 20 years ago where they identified 25% of prison inmates are psychopaths, and then they just extrapolated that one to three percent. And I I'm not a researcher in that regard. So all I can say is I think that number is way, way, way too low. Mm-hmm. I think it's much higher than we probably want to believe. And one of them said the scariest thing that keeps rattling through my brain in all these years, because I spent like three years on my book, is that he said, you know what? He goes, society is becoming more like me than you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's something to think about. So, yeah, so I think yeah. safety is the key. And I, I was I, I think that you have a valuable service because frankly, you you would never catch me unguided logging on. I mean I live alone now, but I'm not lonely. There's a difference, okay? So mm-hmm. um I'm not in any I have no desire unless I had somebody like you to help me and I know quite a bit about these people, probably more than most people, I would I would not, you wouldn't catch me just logging on to Match.com. You just, it just mm-hmm. wouldn't even enter my thinking. Um, so I am very coming, I hear you, and the problem is that as you get older, your your chances of meeting people in real life become smaller and smaller, and online dating helps sure. people find love every single day, all day long, every single site. So it works, but you have to be you have to be smart both online and offline and and you know, like you said, it can show up at work, it can show up any place in your life um where people have charm and charisma, and they use collateral to throw back at you in, in times of need and where you're the weakest and um you know there's one thing in my marriage, and I was not married to a psychopath but one thing that really <laughs> used that to, up. <laughs> yeah, right um but it really it was so damaging was the constant throwing back you know my childhood versus his childhood yeah and yeah. um and the truth is that his childhood was very damaged and he had no idea um he was in total denial most of his life so it's it's a very interesting thing um I also dated somebody who was very manipulative, um, but I was aware, and I went in with my eyes open because um, he was fun. And there were there were other things that were saving grace. He was not a complete manipulative psychopath, but 
he definitely was narcissistic. Um, but yeah. I but I went in with awareness. So psycho you know, our narcissists can be really interesting, fun, exciting, sexy people. And there's a lot of boring people <laughs> out there when you start dating too, that people you just don't sure. connect with. So my my whole thing is, you know, go in with eyes wide open and keep your legs shut <laughs> for as long as you can because once you start with, you know, having sex, you lose yourself. You lose yourself through your hormones that get released and then you bond with somebody in ways that are very hard to disconnect from. Well, and also one thing to keep in mind is one trait all these people have, either male or female psychopaths, is a prolific sexual life, okay? So Mm -hmm. they have multiple, multiple, multiple affairs, and it doesn't matter really if it's gay, straight. Um, One guy I interviewed, he was married because of the image thing, because that gives you a better image, and also had a dog. (laughs) So um, dispelling Mm -hmm. those rumors, um, and he would invite him and his wife came to an agreement they would invite women but only one time into the bedroom and and men also because he it doesn't matter to them and the the thing that you always have to remember is you're sleeping with everybody they're sleeping with so if you've got a cat on your hand that's been had a huge sexual activity throughout their life and stuff and multiple affairs hey we all have a past okay but these guys are really really big on that game okay they'll sleep with anything walking walking within an arm's distance. So you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're opening yourself up to a lot of um, personal damage. Um, right. So, you know, it's, 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 a, it's something to be avoided, really. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's not going to say we're trying to be open. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and you, know, you really, you know, they well, have answers for everything. Right. But so a lot of women and in particular will be will feel flattered by the attention they get from someone like this. And again, that's that goes back to the self-esteem, to the fact that if you have low self-esteem, but you're you're a kind, caring person, you're naive, you have poor boundaries, you maybe had an abusive childhood, you're vulnerable. um, Those are the victims profiles. And so that's the work that that the victims can do is to increase self-esteem, well, you know, increase your boundaries. Also, you could be a very highly paid executive. It's just that you spent your career working, so you really haven't been in the field with a lot of people. So you mm-hmm. can have pretty high esteem at work and pretty low esteem in your own personal life. I mean, you can have mm-hmm. that, that get up and go to get you to the top of the food chain in a big corporation. Um, but it, when it becomes to dating, people will be kind of afraid to date you because you have more than they do or a lot of reasons. So, you know, really, they're equal opportunity um, abusers. I mean, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they're looking for a type, but they're equal opportunity abusers. And they will always have a reason for everything. I mean, they're down a little bit in their money right now, and they have all these things that, you know, they're very good. So that's, that's if it's too good to be true, step back, because it probably is yeah. too good to be true. Oh, I totally um, agree. People, nobody likes people more than me, and I'm a writer, so it's a very solitary mm-hmm. kind of existence. And I'm not yeah. complaining. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I get out, you know, I, I moved to the Midwest to write. So I, I know about living alone um, because I needed to, a place of silence and no distractions. And it's just a time in my life I just needed to pick up and go get the book done. And that's what it was going to take. So mm-hmm. I'm very careful of who I let into my life. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I'm not saying I'm not open to a relationship. But, you know, when it comes along, that will be fine. But I'll always be watching 
And I know that mm-hmm. sounds, it can make me start to sound kind of paranoid and suspicious, which I'm not. I mean, nobody likes a good joke more than me. Nobody likes to entertain more than I do. But you know what? I'm okay. The last few years, I, I know people in this little town, but I'm a, I'm a blue person in a very red state. So, um, you know, I know people, but I'm not social. I no longer really have dinner parties and stuff, but that'll come later. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. okay with that. I'm really okay with that. And I just, you know, I, I function just fine. Um, just to get somebody into my life in the possible chaos, I would really be very careful. Very careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think everybody should be careful. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it, an important. It's a dangerous sport. Dating yeah, can become it, a very dangerous sport. You have to balance your heart and your head. And that's what I always tell people. It's not about being so closed off that you don't open up to anybody, but you yeah. do have to go in with your eyes open. And if you do want love, it it involves some risk. But the more you know, the better the better off you are. Um, well, you Diane, thank you so much. Book. Yes, thank you for for coming yeah. on the show today. And can you tell everybody how they can find your book? Yeah, the easiest way is if you just Google me, it's Diane with two N's. That's the key, D-I-A-N-N-E, Emerson, E-M-E-R-S-O-N. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple. But the easiest route is just to go look at, um, look on Amazon, and it's available in paperback or e uh, I kind of recommend the paperback just because there's a lot packed into there. With it's over 300 pages of our my conversation with them, um, mm-hmm. and so it's available on Amazon. You can Google me. I'm not a big social media person, um, but you can Google my name and just remember it's the two ends in the Diane. And the book title, if you're looking on Amazon, is Psychopaths in Our Lives: My Interviews. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of my work because no one's ever gone in this direction before. There's always been, they've always used composite characters. And that falls flat. That doesn't really tell you exactly what's going on in their little minds as far as what they're plotting and how they're doing it. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, the comment so far has been, wow, that was the creepiest book I've ever read. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, um, that's okay because it is creepy. I didn't I didn't change any of their words. Um, I obviously had a professional editor. I didn't change any of their words. Um, I just let them speak. And um, one of them followed me for quite a while prior to publication, you know, emailing me to check in and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay. And um, he finally asked me. I, I knew he was up to something. And he finally asked me, he goes, am I going to be upset when your book comes out? And I said, well, the only reason you would be upset is because, of something you said because I didn't change your words in any way. So because that's the real beauty and when you read what they say because you get an insight in how that brain is ticking and how they twist things around, how they reword things and so yeah, I didn't do anything to change any of their words. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, he 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 disappeared after that. <laughs> None of them are speaking <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. Well, he is. Which is okay. He's a psychopath. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for for informing us today, and I hope that you've made a few people that much more aware of the dangers of being with a psychopath, so that they cannot be a victim. Um, thank you all for listening today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Thank you, Sandy.